0: Hey guys, welcome to the 99th episode of So What Else? Can you even believe it? 99, that's so crazy. So many episodes, I just cannot believe it. I love you all for being on this journey with me and for listening and supporting and all of the things. I just- This is such a bright spot in my life, and I love you all, and thank you for going on this journey with me. Today, we have Taylor Nichols on the podcast to share her story. She's so awesome. She was so fun. Love talking to her. We talk about mom stuff, her adoption slash birth story that happened with her girls. It's just a really sweet story. And we also talk about her childhood church experience, which is very, very, very unique. She was raised in like a tight-knit community community. You'll have to listen to understand it all, okay? But basically, she went through some spiritual manipulation, abuse, trauma in her childhood. She was able to break away from that community and just kind of pave her own path of her spirituality and her relationship with God. And it's just, it's really inspiring. It's really interesting. It's really unique. There's just so much here and a lot also oddly to relate to. So I think you're really going to love it. So stay tuned. Taylor, welcome to So What Else. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. We,
0: I think, have been planning this for a year.
1: There has to be a reason why it hasn't come into play until right now. So I'm excited to see and hear what that
0: is. The only reason that I happen to have a year in my mind, it just happened, it like literally just now, a memory on my phone just popped up that this week last year was when my whole family had COVID. And I feel like I remember texting you about it. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't, I'm sorry, we literally all have COVID. This isn't going to happen. And then you guys all yep. got COVID or maybe you mm-hmm. had it first or something.
1: Yeah, I think we had it first and we were in conversation and I was just like, hey, sorry, I dropped the ball. And then you're yes. like, oh, you must have passed it up here. So, oh, life. So uh, fun. The plans we make and the reality we live can sometimes be so different, correct?
0: Beyond. And like right now upstairs, my six-year-old is like sicker than she's ever been. Like honestly, when Mm. she had COVID, it was like really nothing for her. Like it was really not a thing. She has a virus right now that is like, I don't even know how to explain. The doctor said Mm. it was, it's called either like adenovirus or adenovirus or whatever but basically it's like high fever vomiting sore throat pink eye cold symptoms and like uh, she has all of those things like this child is like has been non functioning for 5 days oh sweetest girl and still has a fever like 5 days of a fever like i'm just like i, I don't even know what, what to do what do you even do i know what do you even I know. do
1: I and feel my, like these little kiddos have been through the mill in the oh, last couple of years just with the layers of, you know, how our immune system normally develops and that being challenged and changed in the midst of COVID and just the forvi- survival and methods that we had to take to kind of figure out what safety looked like in the middle of unknown. Um, but it it has been a learning journey on the other side of that as a mama with littles too, you know, that totally you're like well, you would have probably gotten this at eight months or you probably would have gotten this at four, but now here we it's are so at true. four and you're getting what you would have gotten at eight or 10 months. And
0: It's so true. And then every kid is so different. Like the other thing is like, she has been so sick for five days. My other one is bouncing off mm-hmm. of, of the flipping walls. <laughs> like never been better. Like she's mm-hmm. great. Like I'm like, what? I don't get it. I literally don't get it. But my younger one is Emerson. You have an Emerson. We have an Emerson too, yes. How old is she? She's five. Okay, mine just turned four.
1: Uh, I have a four year old too. My Lundy is four, and Emerson is five. Okay,
0: so we're having a third girl, and so we're like, hello, I'm due one month from today, and we are not fully decided on a name. And that, London came up. Uh well, they go really well together. My husband was like, Lundy. London London? I was like, that's cute. Yes. Mm-hmm. So wait, you have a fun thing with your girls. Okay, so you have two older boys and two younger girls. Tell us your what you had the boys then you adopted Emerson, right? But what's the what was the story there?
1: So yeah, our boys are now 12 and 10 um and they were You know, what I guess five and seven at the time. Okay. Um, Adoption has been just a part of my heartbeat, I think, since I was little. You say you're having family, three girls. I come from a family with six kids. I'm the only girl.
0: Oh my gosh. Um,
1: And I think through that journey of just longing for uh, probably mostly even just a feeling of being alone in the midst Mm. of a big family because I had this kind of genetic makeup that was different and understanding of the world that was a little different. Um, I found myself just reading a lot about adoption when I was little and yes. it became just a heartbeat thing for me. So on my husband and I's very first date, uh, it was conversation that I was like, listen, this is something I feel called to in my life. We were friends. So I was like, if, if you're don't feel called to that and it's not something that, you know, you think that you could say yes to, let's just stay friends and like, I'll buy my own dinner tonight. And he was like, could we order dinner maybe first and then have this conversation? <laughs> uh, but, appetizers,
0: um, perhaps.
1: Yes. I share that to say that it's been a convers adoption has been a conversation. Um, and then we had a lot of grief in our life and loss, and it became something that felt kind of heavy to carry. Um mm. and it was kind of like, okay, let's like the kid. Having years are kind of over, um, like what's next and what mm-hmm. you know, so what else, like what, what is <laughs> the next phase? Love that. And, um, I got to attend, um, a camp in Colorado called Camp Well, it was the very first one. I did we had was Jen kind of Jen going out like, here, yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Her, so dear we know. yes. Um, and through that, the very last day, uh, there was a woman on there named Tobacito and she spoke and her she too. said, you know, what, um. Never let go of a dream that God's given you because somewhere someone is waiting for waiting for you to respond. And it was like an arrow oh. through my soul, like I was oh just like, "Oh my goodness,
0: I love that!" Yeah,
1: I know, I know what that means in my life. And so my husband and I came home. I came home and was like, "Hey, instead of starting a business, I actually think maybe God's calling us to um, this dream that He placed on my heart as a little girl, and it's it's being reborn again." And so um, it was about a year from that point that our daughter Emerson was born, and her adoption story there are just such a broad array of how adoption comes to be. Mm. Um, but for our family story, um, it had been, She, as I tell her, you grew in mommy's heart before all of your siblings grew in my belly. Oh. And um, she, we turned our paperwork in on a Wednesday. She was born on Thursday morning and Stop. she was home with us on Saturday. Oh um, my.
0: Some people spend years after they turn years. in their paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I will never
1: understand um, why the God thumbprints are on her story that way or on, Mm -hmm. you know, our family journey that way. But they are ones that have deeply impacted our life. And we are humbled to have experienced and been a part of um, loving her since, you know, before she came to be and then that she was quickly to be in our home. But um, through that journey, I was, we, I share all that to say that like things changed pretty fast. for mm-hmm. us. And so that was right around Thanksgiving. And then it was Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, right after Christmas, I I have had some chronic back pain that the, oh. that I have recently found healing from, which has been amazing, but it had kind of reared its ugly head. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to go back in for the surgery. And I was just not feeling good. Oh. And I uh, went to a girlfriend's house to show her how to care for this like tiny little, you know, nugget of a human that was so special to us. And while I was there, I was like, you know, I'm going in tomorrow because I can't move. And on top of that, my period won't start. And she was like, well, do you think you're pregnant? And I was like, (sighs) no, I, I know I'm not pregnant. I know when I'm pregnant. Yeah. And she was like, well, if you, you can't get your x-ray or your um, MRI tomorrow, if you're pregnant. And I was (sighs) like, well, I'm not pregnant. So that won't be a problem. And she's like, well, you know, they're going to make you test, take a test, had your period. (sighs) I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, little to little, I mean, seconds later, she was like, here, I have a test, just run, take it. And seconds later, I was like out shaking. And Um, you had just gotten Emerson. How long before? Emerson was about eight weeks old at that time. And you found Uh out you
0: were pregnant. Uh I would have had to get wheeled off in a gurney and take it. I mean, my husband was on a ski
1: trip and uh, Uh I called him and was like, you know, and I think that this is the humbling part of where motherhood has so deeply impacted me, but I immediately was like, I'm not going to be okay. I am not enough to do this. I don't, yeah. I don't have enough capacity. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. Um, where do I sit in the middle of all that is going to be dependent on me? And there was a period in our adoption journey um, where we had there was a situation that we had kind of walked through. And at the end of it, I had told my husband, we walked out of that. And I, he had said, what do you feel like right now? And I said, I don't think this is the story that God's playing out in our life. And I think God has twin girls for us. And he oh. was like, I just remember in the car, he was like, what? Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Did, where did that come from? I was like, I don't know. That's all, that, like, those are the words that like came to my soul right now. Yeah. And I just kind of always put that away. Um but I remember being in the like being in the bathroom and that pregnancy test, and I was like, "If this is a girl, it hit me that they were going to be born like less than a year apart, and would it be yeah. Irish twins." And I was like, "If this is a girl, like all that transpired in my heart months ago that I just again put off, and in the same way, even with our adoption story, like I must have misread that. That must have just been a thing. Sure. It must be crazy. Um, totally." all of a sudden it was like, okay, if this is, if this is the case, then I know that was you. And, uh, my OB is a very, very dear friend of mine and kind of knew, like I shared that with her. And, um, a few weeks later I desperately needed to know what this baby was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, why, why are you? I was like, I've had enough surprises. Okay. There's a lot of surprises. I just need to know. Totally. Um, And she came out and, and had made cupcakes and they were pink on the inside. And it was like, what? Um, And so God and His kindness over our family and whatever journey He's decided that we should be living and and growing through and learning to become humans. And that is how our story has unfolded. And so the goodness in that is that all of the learning with my boys in the beginning Mm -hmm. is getting to be re-refined in the knowledge that I have five years or seven years into parenting uh, with two little girls who share my biological makeup and also um, are teaching me so much about the little girl inside of me um, that has yet to fully grow up and has things that need to be healed and um, getting to have, I think really is teaching me so much about self-compassion, right? Because Mm. when we look at our children, we see the innocence and the beauty and the hope um, that is in them. And it can't, we have to go into our own souls and start to do some of that work of becoming and seeing ourselves through a lens that, is compassionate and kind. And so that has been the gift of, uh, of our family journey. So we live in Austin, Texas. I have been Ugh. married for almost 19 years, wow. 19 years this year. And uh, yeah, our kids are now 12, 10,
0: five and four. Oh my goodness. I mean, that is just like wild. So it's like they're Irish twins, the girls, are they in the same grade? So they're one year apart, technically. okay. Yeah, okay. They're, they're both past, the, past the, the school date. Yep. Um. Yeah, but
1: they'll be one year apart, and they are the most tender of friends. It's really, gen- it's just a gentle gift to see because they are. I mean, I have one that is, you know, dark, long hair. She yep. is like a scholastic learner. She does not forget a thing. She, her intellect astounds us. Her heart is as big as can be, and then I have like a fiery curly haired. Um, we call, we call one peanut butter and jelly and one spicy nugget and together they <laughs> just make the perfect meal. Um, I love
0: but that. it is
1: so, it's so beautiful as their mom, even to witness, um, the unique makeup of mm-hmm. who they are in their right and who God's created them to be. And also how much they need one another. They, mm-hmm. they soften and strengthen one another. Um, In their friendship, really, of you know, one of them being like, "Hey, you don't have to come in on fire. Like you can just come in feeling yourself and and being vulnerable." And the other one is like, "Hey, you can use your voice. Um, you have a right to that space. Step into it." And so it's just neat to see that, and it's an inspiration in my own life of the places that I am still growing and learning to become. So.
0: I love that. They're so freaking cute. I mean, (laughs) the videos and pictures, I just, like, love it. Like, they're so cute. And you're right. Like, it's like, I see the same thing with my girls. They're so opposite personality-wise. And they are best friends. I mean, do they fight? Of course they fight. Of course. (laughs) But they love each other. They miss each other. They love to be Mm -hmm. together. And they're so freaking different. Like, it's just so funny. Like my husband and I talk about it all the time. Like the things that are hard about one are so easy with the other one. Mm -hmm. But then that one has things that are so hard that the other one, it would never even be an issue. It's like, they're just opposites, but at the same time, they're the same. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it, you know? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To like
1: lean into the unique nature that we all bring. And also to see, I mean, I don't know if this resonates for you, but In my parenting journey, it's just been uh, all four of my kids, our relationships are different and beautiful in their own right. And then I also learned that like the parts of me that need to grow on the other Mm -hmm. side of them because of who they're created to be. And so Mm -hmm. I can either try to make all of them be what makes me comfortable or what (sighs) I'm comfortable parenting, right? Or I have to have like a humble surrender and a steady optimism that they were entrusted to me. Um, And I, though I don't always feel equipped or knowledgeable or the know-how or the capacity or the patience, I have to trust that I was equipped to parent them in my weakness Mm -hmm. with exactly what they need, not just for them, but for both of us. That this is this yes and, this two-way street of me being able to come back to the table and be like, hey, guess what? I've never had a 12 year old in middle school. In fact, I didn't go to public school and I actually don't know all the answers, but I do know that I was chosen to be your mom Mm -hmm. in this moment. And I do know that in this moment, I can tell you 100%, this is where my heart is at now. In two weeks, I could learn something that changes that or have a different perspective. But right Mm -hmm. now I can stand on that confidently and know that we're going to grow and learn together, even if my decisions are not always right. Um, And that's been a gracious gift. I think in having the kids a little bit apart for me, yeah, uh, that grace (laughs) in and of myself is to, I think I really went into, um, well, I think the internet supports this, right? Like, Mm all the answers are available to you. And so you must choose the right choices. And there, if you choose the right choices, you can create the right outcome and you can protect your kids and all the things. And I'm learning so much um, how you can do the best that you can in the moment with what you have. And then you can just learn to live in the journey as it it unfolds. um, And as you become a more aware and more grounded and um, educated version of who you're becoming.
0: Ugh, totally. Mm-hmm. It's so wild. I mean, parenting is so wild. It's so funny. One of my best friends growing up, <clears throat> we've been like very close since like seventh grade. She just had her first baby. And she was like, um, you know, the first month was like a little rocky. Like he was just real, like the feeding was rough and he was fussy. Like, you know, just the things. And she was like, it gets Like easier. you're sitting there being like, who told me this was going to be great? Uh, she was like, <laughs> what? I thought it was supposed to be just like this like beautiful bubble of newborn cuteness. And like, it's, he's screaming all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like she was like sending us like a Marco Polo, like guys mayday, like he's Uh broken. Like there's nothing wrong here. Like he's screaming constantly. Like, and she was like, tell me it gets better. And like, (laughs) I was, she just wanted me to say it gets better and it does. And it does. But like in that moment, I must've just had a battle with one of my kids or something. Like, I don't know. And I was just like, dude, listen, Parenting's a wild ride. Like just, it is, you know, it's just going to be what's it's going to be. And she was like, thank you for the encouragement. I was like, no, Appreciate I, it. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I, no, it does get easier. It absolutely does. Like, I was like, they don't keep screaming all the time. Sorry. But I was like, yeah. it's just, it is though. Like it is a wild ride. It's amazing, but it's like so humbling. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I mean, no one knows what they're doing. No one's done it before. Say it it louder for the ones in the back. (laughs) Right? Like, it's just like, no one's actually done it before. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, and then even if you have, like in the sense that like you have an older kid, like for me, okay, I'm about to have my third. So a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it'll be so much easier, you know, because it's your third kid. And, And to a degree, that's true, right? It won't be my first time holding a newborn. But- all kids are totally different. So it is your first time with that kid. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like the things that worked for your other ones might not work for this one. So it's just the most humbling thing yeah, of life. And it's amazing. And of course we wouldn't trade it, but it's very humbling. And it's a well, wild I, ride. I, it's such a good representation, right? Of like, what is that saying? even with
1: streams, Like you're never water, you never step in the same water. Yes. twice, Right. So yep. With parenting, I think in the same way is that we are continually evolving and growing and we're in different stages of our lives and our kids are different people. And, you know, I mean, it's like a screaming baby does not phase me right now because I'm like, you know, what's hard for me right now is a 12 year old asking me if they can have Fortnite again yes. and again and again and again like then I'm like or I social have media no. I have stuff yes or, like yeah ugh. but now to my friend whose kid is in college the fortnight thing is like you're gonna Stupid. go through it because it's yeah, muscle yeah. memory right that tells you this
0: so this true. too
1: shall pass or you know that crazy song you're gonna miss this my husband and I are prom- you know the country song it's like yeah. there'll be parts that will look at each other and be like I don't I don't think we're gonna miss. This I'm not gonna part, miss this you know?
0: specific day. <laughs>
1: but, but then there'll be moments where we're <laughs> walking them, you know, like riding their bikes ahead and fighting over who has it. Yeah. And I'll be like, I think we're gonna miss this. And uh, I only know that because I didn't know to appreciate it. Yeah. With my 12 year old, I with was the boys, like, Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. all they're gonna do is ride around and fight with each other? But now I'm like, Oh, they're learning to be the people they are, and my yeah. job is to create these like bumpers and help them, you know, yeah. know truth and help them know compassion and help them to tap into the wisdom around them, the wisdom of God, which is a part of our family, which is like, you know, you are made mm-hmm. in his image. And so there is good in you and around you and you get to serve that to the world around you. It's like, how do you want to be experienced in the world? And what kind of person are you wanting to become? And, um, but that muscle memory over time, and isn't mm-hmm. that true in all spaces, right? Mm-hmm. In marriage in work in trying new things and learning new things and in, in the Grace we give ourselves wherever we are. Um, I was at a funeral this past week, and they were talking about how comfort we we crave comfort, mm. and it hit home for me so much because I think when I struggle the most is when I am uncomfortable. Yeah, because something is new or different, and totally, it is yeah. stretching me and requiring something of me that doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, um, that I'm insecure in or afraid in or. Um, unsure of or
0: totally. frustrated.
1: And I want to blame the world around me, but really I only have control over how I choose to perceive and how I choose to respond.
0: Yeah. Ugh.
1: It's so true. It's so You true. can know all that and none of it feels easier in the middle of it either. Right.
0: Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. When you're in the moment, it's just, it is, but yeah. no, you're so right. So you said before that It's hard because like your kids are in public school, but you weren't in public school when you were a kid and all the things. So I know that you had a very, very unique upbringing in terms of church, school, the whole nine. Tell us what you can about that. Like what, tell me about your childhood and the whole church school thing.
1: Yeah, so um, my parents uh, were both, married prior to, um, their, their marriage and and our family. Um, and I think that that really contributed a lot to the way that they grew and chose to do life together. Um, Mm -hmm. my mom grew up in a really unstable family environment, um, and didn't come to know the Lord until later in her life. And that really impacted her. But I think also, um, Her family trauma, her family of origin Mm. trauma impacted her deeply at the same time. And so a deep, deep desire to create stability Uh and create um, safety and, and really to help her kids grow in a truth that she had found freedom and hope in yeah. um but also didn't maybe have um the trust with herself that she knew how to impart really led them kind of on a journey and so they had some they had some friends that were in the public school system and they were talking to them about school and they, they were like i wouldn't put, if i had children i wouldn't put them in i would homeschool my kids and i think that okay. was the first like kind of seed that dropped in my mom she really really had a desire to like give us better right what all moms and dads need totally. to give us a yeah. better opportunity than she had been given and um And to heal, to heal in us what, you know, was hurting in her. And so they uh, started looking for homeschool options and through that came across a homeschool organization and and church. And I think a lot of it just really resonated with things that she wanted. Um, The kids were respectful and they Mm -hmm. were doing things in nature and they were grounded, if you will. And, yeah. uh, there was a sense of focusing on the things that she felt were important in her faith's journey. And so that the education part is what brought us there. Um, uh-huh. but you know, my mom will kind of describe it in her explanation, explanation for her is like, there's a saying that if you put a frog in cold water and turn the, turn it on, it will die um, uh-huh. because it won't jump out if you were to jump in hot water, it will jump back out. Um, yep. and so she kind of explains it for her personally. And that way I was really young when we joined. So it is my, it is my childhood experience. Um, yeah. I have, you know, a few years prior to that, that I remember, and I'm, and I'm still unpacking some of that in my own, um, my own life story, especially as a mom and, and deeper understanding of myself as, as I parent my kids. But, uh, the premise was, um, really a works-based faith ultimately is the best way that I can put it. And so there was a lot of um, earning your salvation and doing that through works. Um, There was discipline and I think so many, many, many good things um, that came from that season of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also a really painful experience because I think grace was removed um, and judgment was replaced with grace and so mm-hmm. I grew up in a pretty harsh strict um church environment and with parents who my, my dad's no longer here my mom's still here but in conversations with my mom I think it was like they were trying to build trust with themselves but also to gain resources to support that which they did not yet know and so yeah uh, there was a lot of I think authority being kind of transferred to this organizational structure that we were surrendered under, quote unquote, submitted to. And so, um, a lot of the perks and beauty of that is like I learned a lot of things like quilting and sewing, and I could, you okay, know, yeah. I could cook a meal for 20 people by the time I was 10 years old, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, a lot of homemaking and gardening and, you know, working like using the land. Um, yeah. And those were things that were like common to us and, and familiar. Um, but my education definitely took a hit, and there was definitely a sense of like a like a hierarchy, if you will. It's funny. I will watch like shows that are like Kingdom Order, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I know that. That makes so much sense to me. You know? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like watching Handmaid's Tale. Uh, <laughs> oh, my yeah. My husband's like, oh my gosh! What? I'm like, oh, it's just a slow brainwashing. That over time yeah. you attach truth to the wrong thing. And then suddenly you're like, wait, that, that doesn't seem right. Like, yes. you know, and so, um, I, in my own faith journey, uh, which is very tender to me, I think that I knew, I knew a God in my soul far before I had heard him be taught to me mm. in a language that resonate with what I knew, and so um, there was a calling to me early on that was just like something about what we're doing and what I'm reading in the Bible don't quite connect for me. And mm. I remember speaking with an elder in our church once and I said to them, do you, do you think we're the only people that are going like, to go to heaven? Mm. Um, and there was this big like heaven held debate, you know, that was like a, a fair based kind of. And he said to me, I hope not. And I remember thinking, I bet you I was probably 12. I just remember thinking, I know, I know not, like I know that can't be true. And um, I think that started a journey. And what I think was probably some teenage rebellion Uh um, and desire to kind of like find my own way coupled with, Uh, a deep longing to live an authentic life and live a Mm -hmm. life that felt like it resonated with my soul um, led me to leaving pretty early in my life. And my
0: parents left very shortly after, like within 48 hours after that. Um, So when you say though, like they left like 48 hours after. So like, okay, this isn't just, we're not just talking about like, we went to church at this church on Sundays, and like, I didn't really connect with it. Like, it was more of like a seven day a week, like. It was a community tra- of people, right? Yes, it was okay. like
1: our tribe. And I think you know, a great way to just like, we look at social media right now, like yeah. who do you belong to? Um, this was like an early sense of like a sense of belonging. And there was an inside, right? This inside understanding. And there was an outer understanding. I'll tell you, I just watched um, Megan and Harry's a documentary oh yeah and I'm in the middle of it it's it was so interesting for yeah. me because I said I was settling with my husband I was like there's something about me that's resonating although very different stories like I'm like I understand what it means to have an experience that you're having and then to be told what you can share that experience is and so I would say mm-hmm. that was a lot of like there's this outside world there was um a couple times during the year where our land that the church owned they would do crafts fairs and things and people would come to that and it was just like this known expectation of what your behavior was or how you answered questions or um, what the persona was that you gave and I think God wired me as a human to be curious Mm -hmm. and to ask questions and lean in and there wasn't space to ask questions it was just like this it is I am that I am kind of was used to be like, it is that it is, if you will. Yeah. And so um that kind of communal connection, it was, it was, they really worked a lot out of the Old Testament. And so when you left, you were completely ostracized from everything and everyone, um, and pretty much considered an outcast and 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 spoken about that way, or you know, definitely had that like if you leave, um, there was a lot of connotation that came with that. Now, if you came back to the flock, it was like. You'd come back to the flock, you know, like you were okay. saved again and there was all these things. But if you left, um, that was on you and you had separated yourself from that, which was true and good and right. And the penance of that would be on you uh, alone. And so understanding that leaving at a young age, I'm still astounded. And I, it is part of my personal faith journey because I know beyond knowing that there was a Holy Spirit that lived in me that yeah. gave me courage. Yeah. Um, yeah. To hold on to a truth that I felt and and had experienced somehow, but didn't have words to, and to stand up against an authority that was um, unhealthy.
0: And wow, so I mean, would you call it like a cult?
1: I think for you know, if you if you talk to me in my um, my teens and twenties, probably yes. Okay. I hesitate to say yes to that because I think there's so much connotation to it, but I will say yes with, with the caveat that I would define a cult as anything that is creating an identity or a truth that is centered around their set of beliefs and excluding, um, or creating judgment and anything that is trying to get all people to think one way, Yeah. Um, and so I can take that now and that understanding and say like, um, I can see that in political realm. I can see that in social realm. I can see that in school realms. And I hate to, like, I wouldn't use the word cult with any of that, but I just think it's a, it is a, a space that is misusing truth mm-hmm. to control. And that is what I believe that I was raised in, a place And I think, and here's the, here's the weird thing, right? I believe And I experienced people that were very well intended. Yeah. Who misbelieved or misinterpreted something. Sure. Uh, And I think out of fear, right? Fear drives a desire to control. And when you have a growing organization, suddenly you have things you need to control. And if you are not able to be vulnerable and you're not able to live in that which you don't yet know... And for what now is for me to say, this is where I am in my faith journey. This is what I know to be true so far, but I hope it's not the same in two years or five years or 10 years mm-hmm. and have that malleability to let God continue to change and grow me. Let life experience teach me. Um, and through, for me, that sort of filter of like wrestling out my faith, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is what the Bible says. And then this is my experience. How did these go together? And, what does this mean now? Um, but I think it was like holding tighter to truth than it was to grace and to really the gift that I now experience in my life as as grace and salvation and the very thing that, you know, there is a New Testament in the in the Bible mm-hmm. for um that that somehow not got negated. So that's a long answer to your question, but um, yeah.
0: No, I mean that's short answer.
1: Yes, long answer. I think it's under it's important to understand, and also I'm committed to like my faith. Yeah, and I think far too often we are misusing, um, scripture Uh or religion or God to create an agenda or a platform or market the gospel, and when you do that, I think you lose the essence of the gift that has been given to all of us. And so I hesitate to say that as a way of it's like, oh, it's just one more effed up thing in this whole nature of church, which I do think there's a lot of brokenness there. But I also think that um, we have to keep refining and kind of back to being like, you can have every good intention, but if you lose sight of the goodness of the one who gave you the heart to lean into whatever that assignment he's calling you to, um, you, you miss it.
0: So, all right. So you were in this, like basically your whole childhood. It was like a church community, school community. Like there were there were rules about like your clothes. Like it was like a whole thing. It's not like what people are thinking, like, oh, we go to church on Sunday for an hour and a half and then we come home. Like it was it was like a it was like a lifestyle kind of. Yeah,
1: I would say like it was like um I think people can put terms around this. Like it was like take. Mormons and Amish, and merge them, Uh, and we were like a more quote-unquote enlightened version truth than that. So, like visual representation, you know, long hair, don't cut your hair, um, don't wear jewelry, long dresses. um, So, there's a lot of those things. Work the land, yeah. Make your own clothes, make your own food. A lot of those elements were at play, which I think you know. There's a lot of good, exactly, in that world of consumerism, right? Sure. we have, I, we've created an idol out of consumerism and it's totally like just are taking out the impact on nature and all these things are so much good in that. But, um, those became the things that really were attached to your salvation. And, um, yeah. And that becomes,
0: then that's sticky.
1: That's risky business. Yeah. And it is.
0: It is, it's not healthy business in my opinion. Totally. And that, that's so complicated. Cause like you said, it's not like it's bad. It's not like they're saying go out and punch somebody and that's good. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's like good. Like they're saying like, use the land. Like, okay, that's not a bad thing, but yeah, it becomes a bad thing when it's like, and you won't get into heaven unless you do X, Y, and Z or wear X, Y, and Z. And maybe
1: it's not, it's not, if you don't wear this, you won't get into heaven. But if you love God then your response will be that you wear this and that you wear that as a representation of your love for God. And that love for God is what gets you in. So, right. It's kind of this, like, um, it's a backward way of, because you're kind of like, what? Mm
0: -hmm. What?
1: Okay. You know, like, Oh, I can see, like, I am a sinful person or, yeah, I do fall short or there are things I don't know, or I am selfish or, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to work on that. And my mom will say that all the time. She's like, you know, there are things that will kind of catch my attention. And I'd be like, but you're right. I can be so self-centered and I don't want to do that. I want to be other centered. Um, yeah. And so unpacking a lot of that in my life has been my journey of healing and becoming and um, and, you know, understanding that, like. I mean, parenting, right? You're trying to help your kids make wise, safe, good decisions. You're also trying to create a space where your kids realize that the privilege that they have to make some of those decisions may not be that same privilege that someone next to you has. And you don't want them to judge everyone mm-hmm. around them, but you want them to be aware of and compassionate. And then you also want them to stay with their values and stay mm-hmm. with their truth. And so I think that, you know, I'll go back again to like fear mm-hmm. is like create good walls. Then you can control, then you, you know, if if, they're, if your kids are afraid of these things, like we didn't have TV, we didn't have the news. Right, um, okay. We did home birth. So like create this idea that the world outside of, our home, our church, our school is there to harm you. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you have, you know, you have control because you need me to tell you what is safe or not safe. And I'm not saying that we don't need that and aren't meant to do that as parents. But I also think one of the things that I'm learning is like, and part of this is my journey of like losing my own father. Like Mm -hmm. I am not guaranteed to be here, to be the one, to always, answer my kids' questions Mm -hmm. and guide them. And I want my kids to be connected to a source of truth and and a sense of identity and a value that they can go back to and filter life decisions through Mm -hmm. um, when things feel complicated, when things feel messy. And so I think for me, that source of truth that was given us was an umbrella of like biblical protection, but it was a misinterpretation and right. Even part of how my own healing journey has been through my Atlas and through my nervous system. Um, And like that, my Atlas was kind of compromising my nervous system, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the messaging system to, and from my brain, from my body was getting compromised. Mm -hmm. And that is so powerful to me in my own walk because it's like you can take truth and turn it just a tiny bit and the outcome is not truth right yeah put an airplane on a path one way and do it two degrees off and it ends up in a completely different area totally and so how do we come back to keep filtering through and be like okay realign Uh Is this right? Is this truth? This is my perspective. Am I allowing people that I trust to speak into it? Am I letting myself be challenged? Um, Uh How is it that I could have read something six years ago and it had different meaning than it does today? And the Uh same way we're talking about parenting, how could this have been so hard and now feel so easy, but this other thing is so hard. Um, And how do we build that understanding in ourselves? And also for me, how do we build that? faith and trust with a father that knows us and created uh-huh. us and and is with us in all things so how uh-huh. do i learn a dependence on him and how uh-huh. do i learn to trust this mind body and spirit that he placed in me that when uh-huh. aligned my body will give an indication my heart will give an indication my mind will give an indication now if i just use one of them often i can be really really wrong
0: Mm-hmm. But if I'm
1: willing to set with and be with all three mm-hmm. to be of one mind, body, and spirit, then I can often filter through and be like, oh, here's what's me. Here's what's others. Here's what's God. All these things are relative and valid, but like, how do I make a decision that's centered off of truth? And
0: that seems to be a constant refining journey in my own life. hmm Something that I think is so interesting is that I feel like for a lot of people that had that kind of experience as a kid, if you got to a point where you left, right? So you're like part of this community. It's like kind of all consuming. It's your school life. It's your church life. It's the people you socialize with. It's your clothes. It's your, all the things. And then you got to a point where you were like, this isn't right. Like we, like, this is, I don't, I think the truth is being manipulated a little bit here. This is like, this is not exactly how I feel. I'm supposed to be relating to God, you know, all those things. I feel like a common response to that, if someone was raised in a place that they felt was like a little, whatever word you want to use, manipulative or whatever, they would just kind of like turn their back on the whole thing. Like just be like, screw this whole like, Christianity, the Bible, God, like I'm an atheist now. Like I'm not, I don't, this is I don't want to, I don't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. But something that I think is so interesting about you is that you were young and you came to that conclusion, but you somehow did not turn your back on your faith, on your faith. You know what I mean? You You walked away from certain aspects of things that were taught to you. But you still maintained a relationship with God. How did you do that? Like, did you go through a period where you were like, screw this? Like, I, like, you know what I mean? Or like, all churches are bad, or all Christians are bad, or this is all a lie. Like, did you go through that? Or like, how did you kind of navigate that? Well, I first wanna say
1: that I am very humbled. That, yes. I, that that journey has been one that I've been able to walk. Um, yeah. And it's something that I have deep, deep appreciation for in my own life because I know that it is not that easy for everyone.
0: Yeah. And
1: I have spent time wrestling with God about why faith is easier for some people than for others. Mm. Um, like believing in God... Has never been hard for me. Yeah, it's. There's been a knowing in me, a resonance in me, even when I was in a space that was like, hmm, this isn't, this
0: doesn't, this doesn't feel right. Why yeah. not? This
1: isn't yeah. right. Um, my friend Kat Armstrong was talking about the Holy Spirit a long time ago, and I, I didn't think I had ever really understood that. But then I was like, I think that's why, as a little bitty girl, I sat across from a group of elders, and I can remember their response to me. And I can remember words coming out of my mouth thinking like, I don't really know where that came from.
0: Interesting.
1: But I was like, that is what it was. I remember the feeling of being like, I don't know where that came from, but I know that it's truth. And I know that it just set me free from something that I needed safety and protection in. And that has served me my whole life. Um, but I think, so I think there's that element, right? that I think that is an essence and a gift that has been entrusted to me, um, that I have I have the physical experience of in the midst of faith in God, not being shaken, but faith in what does God's community look like? What does church look like? What is religion? Um, sure. and i wouldn't say like my spiritual walk has been easy my spiritual walk has been hard yeah very very hard um but there but even in the depths of suffering and sadness and and brokenness i still know god to be good mm. not because of circumstances or experiences but because i know him Mm. In an intimate way that is true to me, that in the depths of brokenness and mistreatment and sadness and pain, that he is the hope that I can cling to. And that even though my prayers have not always been answered the way that I want them to be, or my life has not turned out that when I pray, if this is not of you, will you slam every door? And if this mm-hmm. is where you want me to do to be, will you push me through every door? Mm-hmm. That, that, that has, he's has shown up in my life in that way. And so I don't think that I can say one thing. I will say that I'm an Enneagram eight. I feel are Enneagram mm. friendly on here. Um, oh yeah. And so truth speaker, um, like truth seeker is big to me. So I think that, you know, even in the pain that was religion or a misinterpretation of God to me, there was a, a a desire to find truth and it, and it was painful, but it was like, I was like, I'm on it. I'm on a a journey to understand this more. And I think that that will be my life journey, um, that deeper understanding. So, you know, I have, I have many a friend that I grew up with whose, whose life has looked a lot different and whose journey has looked a lot different and I mourn I mourn for why 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 is faith harder for some of us than others and I think that in compassion um, I'm learning to understand that like the timing of things or the road it doesn't all look the same and I have to have and if I really do have faith And the God that I have experienced and I have to trust that his timing, his journey and the people on the other side of me, theirs looks different for a reason or mine looks different for a reason. Um, I don't like that, like hashtag blessed. I don't think we're promised a blessed life. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if we look back at like the changes in history, God became something to be marketed. Like we have this God-sized hole. And then if you take God and you put him in this hole, then then your life suddenly becomes...
0: It also, everything makes sense and it's perfect. Nope.
1: Nope, it doesn't. Um, We have a longing, I believe, to be known. And our Mm. creator, in my personal experience, our creator is who knows us best. And Mm. so that relationship and learning to know ourselves here in this world, um, in this time here on earth, he is the one who is the sustainer of that journey of knowledge. But also that does not mean that that journey is going to be pain-free. And that does not mean that they're, Like in this life, there is suffering and there is Uh pain and, um, and those things in my personal experience can be some of our very best teachers. Uh But I think we, again, going back to that desire for comfort, we market how to avoid pain. We market how to avoid suffering. We market how to make right choices so that you can live a life without suffering. Uh And yet suffering is also what creates the grit and the endurance and the faith that produces the perseverance that we need to continue on in this life. So that's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wish so deeply that I could say like, oh, it was like this book and this person, you know, I I will say people, people Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: who loved me impacted my ability to hold on to hope and have faith in something that had been used to hurt me.
0: Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that
1: was big. Um, and that is an inspiration to me and how I live my life too, that I want the people on the other side of me to experience God's love, whoever they are and whenever I interact with them, that um, mm-hmm. that would be the experience they have on the other side of me. So
0: I, but I wish I could say there was a formula and I totally. absolutely
1: cannot. Uh huh.
0: Well, I think that that's, kind of the point though, right? That there is no formula. I think that's really, really, I think that's really beautiful. Like your journey is so, it's very interesting and unique. I'm I'm sure you don't come across that many people who are like, I had the same exact situation as you. Yeah. Like you're like, I promise you didn't. You know what I mean? Like this is, it's unusual, right? Like to be in that kind of like a church upbringing, whatever, But the fact that you, I think that's, I love how you said that, that faith is not so much a struggle for you, but your spiritual life has been, I (laughs) identify with that so much. Like I feel like I've gone through periods of my life, just whatever things, tragedy and where like a spiritual life feels very, very challenging. And I feel Mm -hmm. very like disillusioned by like, why does God allow this stuff? Or even just like, like church hurt things, like where you're just like, oh, like, how can this be? Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. But I don't feel like I wake up thinking there is no God. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I do, I identify with you in that sense where it's like faith in God is a part of me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Regardless of where I'm at, like spiritually, whatever. And I don't know why that is. Like you said, I don't know why it's harder for some people and not and all, all of that. But I don't know. I just really love that. Like it just, your story is very beautiful where it just kind of feels like God was like with you in that room when you were talking to those elders, you know what I mean? And leaving and stayed with you every step of the way since then, you know, as you figured it all out, which is really wild. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. So
1: it's a journey of figuring still. And I want to say too, I think one of the things I'm most grateful for in my life is that although that, although my story is that I have been able to maintain hope in God, I also have been given this beautiful gift of understanding why you wouldn't or
0: couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: I am so grateful for that awareness because there were seasons in my life that I probably would have stood on the other side. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you get through loss without, you know, God.
0: Sure. But people
1: do. Yeah, yes. And- And I think that's so important for specifically believers to understand is Mm -hmm. that when you speak from the lens in which you view the world, if you do not have a willingness and a curiosity to understand another lens, even though you may not agree with it, you negate the ability to connect and and extend love. And I I am not put here on earth to quote unquote save people. Yeah. I am put here as an ambassador to offer hope in a savior so I must be an ambassador that is willing to hear another perspective to listen and we're so attached even in church culture to be right or wrong right Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had a conversation with a girlfriend this week and I was trying to like encourage her and I said these are all things I know to be true and then I said actually let me take that back I believe they are all true I think they are all true because at the end of the day it's it's faith I have faith yes now my faith is built on experience. It's built on knowledge. It's built on these other things. But if I don't surrender to the fact that I am not the know-all of everything, then I negate the ability to, for us to like learn and grow together. And that's where, again, I think for me, I there's a still small voice that I can still hear that like, like I'm like, okay, so what else? So what do I know? Mm-hmm. That's what I knew today, but I wonder what you would show me on the other side of that. And so- I say that to say like, here I am today and this has been my story so far, but I'm also so very grateful that, um, understanding how painful, how insanely painful it is to believe something with your whole heart Mm -hmm. and commit your life to it and serve to help bring that to life for other people, to have it break down and have it like realize that it was used to manipulate and control you mm-hmm. out of unhealth mm-hmm. is a incredibly, incredibly painful place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also here to say that I think that there's hope on the other side of that too. And there's healing. And mm-hmm. I can personally speak to a space that is a continuation of growth in that. And that um has been good and faithful to me.
0: Mm. Beautiful. I love everything you said. I love that's amazing. So just out of my own curiosity, so you were like a young teenager, you sat down in front of these elders by yourself and you were like, I don't buy all this stuff, whatever, like I'm out. You leave and then when you say 48 hours later, your parents left, like, and then don't you have like six brothers? Like what was the, what was the exodus like
1: yeah. So my oldest two brothers, um, were never a part of the church. Okay. Um, and my other brother who's uh, 20 months older than me had left before and was a big part of my journey. Okay. It was the one person that I felt most known by. And mm-hmm. then I was like, not able to be in relationship with him in the same way. Oh, wow. And so, uh, a big part was me being like, that opened my eyes to a lot of things, you know, um, my brother was still the same person Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that I knew before. And people were kind of telling me that he was a different person. And so it was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So I think, you know, my, my mom and dad left to kind of help support and love their kids. And I think that's another part of my story. Although like there is spiritual abuse and trauma in my story, my parents, And I don't think this is true for every kid that I grew up with in this group. Um, I knew my parents loved me. Mm. Deeply knew that they loved me. And that, I think, impacted the safety for me to make decisions because I did know what it meant to be deeply, deeply loved. Mm. Not always protected, but deeply, deeply loved. And so as I understand even our brain development and attachment and the things that create security, um, I do think that that was part of the security for me, that there had been a space in my home to be myself. Um, now, maybe when I left it, it was like, rein it in, be a little less, you know, here, mm-hmm. um, this is what ideal looks like. and these things don't match up, but I did know what it meant to be deeply, deeply loved. And I think that impacted that. So my parents left 48 hours, kind of on a mission to help us help their kids. And, and, um, I think it's like my mom will say, like the moment we were out, the moment we were out, things started to, to change and gain, gain clarity. And, you know, I think fear there's fears healthy, right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But also fear can be a really, really misused tool. and Mm so. Kurt Thompson talks about how the scripture in the Bible talks about being one mind, body, and spirit, Mm -hmm. how we've used that kind of in church culture. But really, if read correctly, it's talking about us in our own spiritual journey. And so I think that being removed from a space that overrode the the filters that we are given as humans. helped them gain clarity pretty quickly. And I think that that's true for a lot of us is that if we can, if we are trying to compromise now conviction, I believe in change. Mm-hmm. I believe in turning away from something that is not true. I believe in, but I I do believe that we often override and try to compromise something to fit in mm-hmm. or to be a part of something or I know for me personally, like, I'm like, I just want to be, part. I just want to be accepted. And right. You said it was like, I have a narrative that is like, I don't belong. Mm-hmm. I'm different. No one understands when people are talking about movie quotes and music and high school. I don't have a place of connection in that yeah. story. And so for me in my own personal journey, it's like, will I compromise me in order to be with you? Um, or will I be vulnerable about who I am and will I be wise about who I'm safe to do that with? And so Mm. from the Exodus standpoint, I think that that's something that I kind of see is like all of a sudden it was like, when I'm with me, I kind of have a sense of right and wrong Mm -hmm. based on the choices that I've made that have helped bring truth into my life. Um, but I have to separate myself and and set with that and not compromise that, um, be true to that.
0: Mm. It's wild. Are, do you still have a lot of relationships with other kids that were raised in it with you? Some, some, um,
1: I think that I've, I've created some distance and some closeness. So yeah, yeah there's a few, there's a few that I have, of, uh, but very few mm-hmm. I have with my family being out, you know, a lot of kids' families are still in, which mm. is incredibly complicated and painful. Wow. Um, But for me with my family being out, I think that that kind of created a a separation for our family a little bit more in terms of like, of course, attachment Mm
0: -hmm.
1: didn't need to maintain connection to, um, so which has been healthy for me. It's been, I I can go back in seasons and do healing. And it's funny to talk about it at this point in my life, because it's often the thing that people are most like wowed by in my story. Um, cause it is really different, really unique, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to set back and like also see like how much I have grown mm-hmm. from that little girl. Um, but also how much that little girl shaped the woman that I am today. Mm. Um, how grateful I am for her courage, how grateful I am for her strength,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: And those are things that shape the woman that I am today Um, to be an advocate in a space where there's a woman named Miss Evans. She was our orthodontist wife and she will forever be someone that I see as an advocate who looked beyond my long hair and my long dresses and she saw a hurting little girl Mm -hmm. who had a heart of love. And she called that out in me in the like 20 minute gaps
0: Mm. that
1: we spent together once a month, you know, um, there was a sweetness and a tenderness in her and I felt so seen by her. And so when I'm in the world and I see kids or people that I think can often be marginalized or misunderstood or judge it, judge, there's a part of me that is like, I will pause and be like, I see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm grateful for that. And I think sometimes, you don't know the courage or the impact of a smile that can be handed over to anyone in any situation um, by just pausing to be with somebody where they are in their story. And so I'm grateful for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you need a lot of counseling, therapy and stuff? Like you said, because No, Caitlin. No, I'm just straight walked out of this. <laughs> no
1: not at all <laughs> zero. Did, I'm fine. Did I or do I? Uh-huh. <laughs> so.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I,
1: I am so grateful for, um, the gift of therapy and the understanding that our minds and our bodies can heal. Um, yeah. there are so many resources that have deeply, deeply impacted my healing journey and mm-hmm. my faith journey. But, but counseling has definitely been one of those and it mm-hmm. is a, a big part. And I think even in this season of my life through COVID, I am in a season of healing again. Um, mm-hmm. grief yep. is a part of my life journey mm-hmm. and the gift of that is that it is a continual cycle, right? Like sometimes they roll over each other and there was seasons yep. where there was a lot of that and then you hit a bubble and so Covid for me was you know a space where there was a universal grief that the mm-hmm. world felt that yeah. felt very understood. like I was like, oh, I know I know this yep. I know what this feels like um, yeah, but then there was also pain when the world started getting back to normal mm or trying to get back to normal. And I kind of like, was like, it's never going to be, you don't ever go back to seeing how you saw before you're different. You're changed, you know? Um, Yeah. And so I think that that started some, some healing and grief for me again. And just like, okay, what came up and
0: what do I need to do? But very thankful for counseling and therapy. It's amazing. I love how you said that, that like you can heal. Yeah. You can. And I think that your story is really beautiful with that. Because like I said, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people, That I think would be, if they were raised in like a spiritually manipulative, abusive situation, it would, it could derail them forever. You know what I mean? And like, do you, uh, you, you're obviously not like, no, I'm completely dandy, zero, zero baggage from that. No, but like you have taken your healing seriously and done the work. And I think that that's really incredible. I mean, I really, really do. Thank you so much for like <laughs> sharing all that with us. I mean, it's just so, it's, it's. Well,
1: I think if you're around the people in my day-to-day life, they'd say she's a lot of work to do still. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'll second them on that. But I will say that the work that I have done um, has been worth it. And mm-hmm. I can be a voice of affirmation for that, that like yeah. if you're a person who feels discouraged or like that could never be me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never, I'll never touch this pain. It's too painful for me. I'm too yeah. angry. Um, I can tell you that I have been there and yeah. I can tell you that it's worth it. And I remember like meeting, uh, or reading emotionally healthy spirituality and it was so, good. so powerful for me. Um, Kurt Thompson t- it is like so much hope for me, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, even the journey that I'm on and healing my relationship with what does it look like? for raising a family inside mm-hmm. church um, through COVID. I really realized like a lot of the misguided things that I was taught about scripture happened around the years that my oldest is. And so suddenly there was oh. a new wave of healing and awareness. Yeah. Like I was like, what just happened? I've been fine in these walls. And all of a sudden I'm like acutely aware that like, like ac- just boom. And then I'm like, what is that? And the gift of COVID was like a little bit of space to process that. and yep. um, I'm reading a book called The Grieving Brain. That's mm. been amazing um, and super helpful. And, and there's so many other things that I could, you know, share. that are resources totally. of people who have been willing to share the wisdom and insight that they've gained mm-hmm. um, through learning um, about this yeah. journey and about how malleable our brain is. And mm-hmm. I mean, it really to me, that's what I love about Chris. Like he takes scripture and psychology and our brain and puts them together.
0: And totally. I'm like, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, totally, totally. I love it. I think it's so interesting. I love it. Taylor, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story with us. I think it's just like so cool. I just appreciate it so much.
1: Caitlin, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for having the courage to step out and do something that speaks life into the world and encourages people and uh, shows enough, another way and shows what else is out there. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, you're awesome. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.